Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. It is difficult to go through life and witness people who don't match. I come from a a culture in Detroit where if you wear Nike, you need to wear the Nike shoe, the Nike sock, the Nike sweatpant with the Nike, you don't need to mix brands. Like support your brand or not. Don't mix up brands. I'm tired of this. Tired of this. We got to stop it. It's a rule. Certain colors go together. Certain, you know, things that you, you have to match. Now, how do I know this? Because when my wife first met me, I did not match. In fact, I sent no signals to her that it would be a good idea for her to involve me in her life. But what a good person will do when they find out that who you are on the inside doesn't match who you you are on the outside, you know what they'll do? They'll come help you. Say, you sending out mixed signals and I got to help you. Because you're telling us we can get one thing, but we, we, I mean, you're inside, I know I can get one thing, but outside says, I really can't receive it. Somebody's got to help you. She helped me become more attractional. Now, what I really think she was is she was dressing me up for her. Now, she don't claim that, but she was dressing me the way she wanted me to be dressed so she could have the man she wanted. And I ain't mad about it. I'm the man she got right now. Hallelujah. She loved these shoes I got on right here. Anyway, that's, that's just. But when people, <laughs> when people give you these false impressions, promises, that you're going to get something from them and then they don't deliver, that's frustrating. When you go to a restaurant, you want good food services. When you go to the law office, you want good legal. When you go to the post office, you want good postal. And if you have bad services from the places that you anticipate and good services from, you know what you start doing? Saying that's false. And everybody hates false advertisement. The McDonald's fries don't never look like they, they look when you looking at them on the commercial and you hungry. You didn't even want no McDonald's fries. You see the commercial, you want the fries, and then you go to McDonald's, they a little burnt. I send it back. I already, this is not a part of the message, but what you have to do when you go into the fast food, you have to say, I want them fresh. Just start over. Whatever you, don't give me none of the stuff that's already been cooked. I want to start over right now. So anyway. Jacinda, you go to McDonald's all the time. That's good. That's for you. So, so here you go. When you think about the church, Coach Lowry, the church can either give you accurate advertisement or false advertising. 
The statistics say if people come into church and they get the wrong thing advertised to them, it could take 10 years before they walk back through the door. So if you're an imposter and you have imposter syndrome, you can actually demotivate people from interacting with the church and the God you serve and you love. What image do you project and does it match your internal reality of who you are? If not, perhaps you're rejecting who you are internally for an off image of something externally. And what this church did that we're about to look at is they broke free from that by embracing something that you're going to see in the text. All right, so let's pull up uh, Acts 11, verse 22. Just a side note, the early service did horrible at reading this word. They were corrected. Don't, don't, don't be them. You know, every now and then I got to clear it up. I'm going to read with some power, some diction, some clarity. Read these next few verses. Ready? Read. Now, I told you a couple weeks ago that the church in Jerusalem was a good church. They did everything you want a church to do. They had everything in common. They shared their, their money with each other. They shared their gifts, their time. They served. They were constantly in the church. They were meeting house to house. Uh, they had a spirit of awe there. The Holy Spirit was there. And everything was good. But this church was stuck inside, enjoying one another instead of going outside. They were stuck on the fellowship and they did none of the fishing. Wow. See, Jesus said, follow me, yeah. step one, yeah. and I'll make you fishers of men and then a fellowship. So one thing we're supposed to do when we're authentic is we follow Jesus. He makes us fishers of men and then we become a fellowship of believers together. But I believe that the church in Jerusalem received stuff from God and they became a fellowship and fishing became something they did as an internal uh, thing, a cultural thing, an a, a, a inside job. That means we only evangelize to the people that's in this room. Stuck. Now, a persecution arose. Remember, there was a guy named Stephen. He didn't do good. There, there, there was a conflict between the Hebraic and, 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 the, uh, uh, and the Hellenistic Jews, and they, they, were, they, were, they were fighting with each other about who was getting, getting the best. And some men full of the Holy Spirit, deacons, Stephen was one of them. He began to minister. There became a persecution uh, of, of the church. He began to preach to those uh, on the outside who were, who were beginning to persecute the church. They didn't listen to his message, and they stoned him alive. And that persecution started a wave of let's go after the church that stuck in Jerusalem. And the pressure from the outside forced all of those people on the inside or a number of those people on the inside to finally move out to Cyrene and Cyprus and they got to Antioch. And in Antioch, something unique happened. 
where their identity on the inside, who they were called to be on the inside as the church, starts showing up on the outside in the culture without fear, without apprehension, and they began to preach to people who had normally been excluded. You got, who were they preaching to? They weren't preaching to the God-fearing like Cornelius, Peter, Peter preaching to Cornelius. They weren't preaching to uh, the people who had some type of idea about who Christ was. They were preaching to uh, the Antioch crowd, which was uh, successful business uh, uh, persons who were full of immorality. They were pagan. They brought the gospel to them, and the result was people start getting saved. When you are authentically the church, it involves the preaching of the gospel cross-culturally to people who are dark and wicked. Far too often we wait to see some sign that they're open to God. They needed no sign when they got to Antioch to figure out if they were open to God. They only needed what the assignment of the church, which was to go into all the world and preach to them. They didn't wait for the openness and they began to preach and they got fruit. And the report came back to Jerusalem church from the Antioch church that we're being the church because we're preaching to the lost. I love that the Jerusalem church didn't say, well, that's them. That's what they do down there at the Baptist church. That's what they do across the street. Here, we, we working on ourselves. We looking out for each other. We staying safe. We don't mess with the people. They don't mess with us. Jesus saved us. We waiting on him to turn, come, come back. Okay? We waiting quietly. We making no waves. He know, God know how to get people saved without us. So we just here in Jerusalem. They didn't say that. The report came and the proof that they agreed with the life of the church in Antioch is they say, we got to send somebody to help them. And they sent a man who was known in the church for his generosity. He was known to give and he was known to be cross-cultural or somebody who was a reconciler. Because when they were afraid of Paul, he said, no, no, let's give Paul the right arm of fellowship. That's where we talk about Barnabas being an encourager, a strengthener. And when he got there, he did not tell them what they were doing wrong. I, I, I'm going to talk about myself right now. I'm one of those people, unfortunately, if you work with me every day, you know I'm like this. I'm one of those people who can walk into the room and tell you what's wrong with it before I tell you what's right with it. Difficult people. See, y'all thought y'all liked me till y'all found out that right there. Yeah, I, I know everything that's wrong in the room. And those people are not fun to be around if they stay stuck in that narrative. When Barnabas got there, he didn't figure out what's wrong. He said, oh, this is so right. He encouraged them to stay steadfast in the faith. Stay steadfast in what you're doing. You've got the right idea. You're doing the right work. You're preaching the gospel to the right people. I'm not telling you to be like the Jerusalem church. I'm telling you that you have upgraded the Jerusalem church, and I want to support you in what you have going on. 
far too often, we engage in what other people are doing and with an opinion that does not make them better. It's a critical spirit. It's one that sometimes makes us feel good about ourselves and our ability to identify what is wrong, but, but we couldn't add anything of significance to them. They said, abide in this. He said, abide in this. You're doing it so good. When's the last time you told somebody, you're doing so good, just stick with it? It's an inspiration to me. When's the last time you found yourself encouraging somebody? The Bible says, encourage one another daily while it's called today. The church is a place that builds each other up. We, 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 we just build up with encouraging words. What comes out of your mouth? Is it encouraging? Or does somebody have to fish for encouragement from you? Yeah, you know, huh? they're waiting. Or do you freely give it? The report came. When you're doing the work of the Lord, he will send brothers to encourage you. When you're doing the work of the Lord, he'll send people to encourage you. When you're doing the work of the Lord, he'll send somebody to minister to you and they will lift you up and not bring you down. If somebody comes to you and they're bringing you down, perhaps they're not from the Lord. That's why I love the message that Minister Lowe, formerly named as Baby James, preached last week. He was telling them about the need to preach your two-minute miracle or to evangelize. We need it. He goes on in verse 25. I want you to read it to continue to encourage strategically, and I want you to see how he did it. Read verses 25 and 26, please. Don't be scared of it. Attack it. Barnabas got there and realized that Jerusalem didn't send enough support. Barnabas got there and realized that there are not more people in Jerusalem who can help the work. Barnabas began to then talk to a guy that we hadn't seen for 12 years, but the fame of him had, and his transformation had gone forth. This particular person, Paul, was somebody who persecuted, excuse me, Saul persecuted the church, thought he was the, doing the right thing, but was ending up doing the wrong thing, encounters Jesus Christ, gets blinded, gets saved, gets filled, gets delivered, gets discipled, and has a mission to the Gentile world. And Paul's saying that this outlier, this outcast, this person that the church is afraid of, or that the, the, the new church is afraid of, is the very person that this fruitful church needs to actually continue to be more fruitful. There's time out for us being afraid of different people who get born again. Sometimes, I'm going to tell you, the, the, the Bible says, he that's forgiven much loves much. Sometimes if a, somebody says they were a whoremonger, we don't want to use them. God wants to use whoremonger. Sometimes if somebody was, was, was drunk and drunk, we don't want to use them because their testimony seems too dark. Somebody, somebody was in Satanism or some other uh, cult or some other thing. The darker their life, the more we want to say, well, you was too dark to be used. Just sit there and enjoy the church right now. We can't use you on the big stuff. You know, you had a lifestyle. No, no, no. God's got some people that he transforms. 
from a broken place and he brings them to a God place and they will be more fruitful in the kingdom than anybody else. Something about the Jerusalem church, it just sit there and it's just neat. Here's our times. Our times are good. You can't, you know. And then, and then if you, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you. I've brought, brought some sketchy people to church. It's just true. And I was nervous when they was in the car riding here with me. And I was. I was one guy, I know I, I picked him up when the hood I was in the car. I was playing a Yolanda Adams uh, song, and the song said, there was a boy in the neighborhood that was up to no good, robbing others and, and to do what he could. He turned my music off. And say, hey man, who told you? I said, I said, hey, I said, hey, 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 I said, hey, 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 calm down, calm down. Now that now something going on with you and the Lord, Lord, hey, the the Lord got you, not not me. He said, man, what do you know? I said, I don't know nothing, man. <laughs> we on the way to church, man. He sat in church and he didn't move. He didn't move. I was, I was like, man, he in here with us, Lord. We gotta keep, you got to do something in his life. And afterward, he didn't talk to nobody at church. And I'm taking him home. And I said, man, did, did that mean? He said, man, that was the best day of my life. I said, wow. <laughs> you fooled me. <laughs> and then you get a person like that who begins to help you reach people that you couldn't reach without them. There is somebody that you need help reaching. Who's your Paul? You can't get offended by their strength. Paul was stronger than a lot of them. He was wiser. You can't get offended when uh, you, you have to see a Pastor Bruce who's working on his doctorate or a Pastor Dave who's got his doctorate in theology or, or Dr. Rice Brooks or, or a, a Dr. Delvin Pike. That's four doctors on our staff. You can't say, well, I don't want to go to class. They, they're too high for me. They got too much information. They're, they're beyond me. They're, they're past me. And somehow by somebody's strength, they're disqualified from you. No, you lean in because Paul and Barnabas didn't come and change the evangelistic agenda. They only came and supported it by teaching them all the other stuff they didn't know. Stop thinking that you need to wait until you get enough information to know. I'm telling you, Pastor James, I, I, if this you, I don't, I don't have nobody in mind. I just, I just heard this. So if, if you've said this to me, I'm not channeling you. I'm just telling you. Pastor James, I'm so happy to be at the church. I'm going through membership because I need some membership. You know, I come from another church. I've been hurt. So I'm, sitting, I'm not going to serve right now. I'm not going to be in the life group, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come. But, and also, I'm going to go to BSD. I'm going to really get, I, I, the BSD is like several years. Yes, it's several years. Okay, I'm going to go to BSD. And then, how long is BLI? Oh, that's several more years. Okay, yeah, I'm going to go to, so about four years from now, I, I feel like I will be ready to think about actually doing a life group with somebody at some point. I mean, gosh. So we got to wait four or five years when you come in for you to think about it. These people, he says, stay steadfast in what you're doing, which they were preaching the gospel. 
And he said, we're going to bring some extra information and impartation to you so you can be better apologists. And the result was they began to grow and multiply because the gospel is enough. If you never get anything else, the gospel is enough. But if you have the gospel and you can add something to it, it only makes you stronger at the presentation of the gospel. But you're not being the church. You're not rejecting imposter syndrome. If who you are on the inside as a Christ follower doesn't show up on the outside as a light to the world. Here, 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 here's what happened in that verse. Look, they became, look at this list. First thing they were called in Acts 115 was disciples. Then they were called believers. Then they were called witnesses. Then they were called brothers. Then they were called followers of the way. Then they were called saints. Then they were called Nazarenes. In this past verse, they were called Christians. A part of, the Amis a part of, or, or from, or taken from. What was happening is their light in Antioch was shining so bright that people started looking at them. They didn't start wearing a cross. They didn't start wearing a t-shirt saying, I'm a real Christian. I'm the real church. They start being a living epistle so that men could see that God had written on their heart and people start looking at them and point and say, that, they, they are Christian. I know they are Christian. See, when this happened to Peter, his imposter syndrome showed up when he was with Christ. They had him by a fire. And they said, wait a minute. The guy we in there judging and interrogating Jesus, you one of his people. No, I don't know him. I don't know him. Yeah, y'all got me wrong. Yeah, I seen you. You were walking with him. No, I don't walk with him. And the third time, the Bible says, they said, I'm telling you, you one of them, you one of them people. And Peter, Peter started cussing. Selling them, I told y'all that's not who I am. <laughs> now, he didn't use profanity to separate himself from Christ. Sometimes people get the idea that their profanity makes them closer with Christ. They, Peter was using profanity to separate him from Christ. He didn't want to be considered a Christian. He didn't want his light to shine. He was stuck in imposter syndrome. In the church of Jerusalem, he had the, Christ try to get him out when he sent him to Cornelius' house. Peter is always backing up from what the internal man is saying. I need to do the work of Christ to the outsider. He gets stuck inside. Stuck on imposter syndrome. But now these people, they're not stuck. They don't know if they'll live or die. They just know that this gospel is so powerful that they're willing to risk it all. Not just themselves to be in the kingdom, but to bring as many into the kingdom as possible. This generation of people in the first century church knew that being a believer, a Christ follower, could cost them their life. Around the world now, we can't show you pictures, you'll be horrified of the church globally that's being persecuted around the world for being with Christ. A Christian is a Jesus follower. 
Y'all was on a mission trip, Pastor Dave, one time. I thought I was ready, but a bunch of people came to me and they started evangelizing to me. I said, now what am I projecting that these people are coming to tell me I need Jesus? And I just went with it because I said, well, they need to practice and maybe I need to hear what they got to say. (laughs) What is it about you that people never accuse you of being a Christian? What is it about you or me that is so aligned with the world and worldly thinking that people can't distinguish between right and wrong when they look at you? Why is your lamp lit and then hidden? Why are we not a city that sits on top of the hill? The Bible says if our gospel be hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost. He said you need to be a city that sits on a hill that cannot be hidden. It is time out for us being the hidden Jerusalem church. It's time for us to rise up and be the Antioch church that says, for God I live and for God I die. And if I go into this world armed with only the gospel, it's enough for me. God will send people to equip you when you're committed to doing his work. He gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, Pastor, for the work of the ministry, to edify the body, to build up, to equip. Pastor Dave's job, my job, Pastor Bryce's job is to equip you to do works of ministry. I find really no joy in people coming up to me. Pastor James, you're really good. You, you, did a, you did a good job and everything. And I think to myself, well, you don't actually understand what Jesus is paying me for. He's not paying me to be a good speaker. He's paying me to equip you to do the work. And if this church is not mobilized to preach the gospel, I'm actually a failure. If I can't convince all of y'all, if you actually think that when we do Wild Jam on September 30th and we're going down to the inner city to see 300 people get saved and we're going to baptize them that day, get them filled with the Spirit and then plan a work, if you think that's the work of the paid people of the church that they do, then we have failed you. We are stuck being the Jerusalem church. We're just stuck in our own world and our own life and our own comfort and our own four walls. But if we get the thousands of people to go here, to go meet the thousands of lost people in that community and each one of us makes one person hears the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are being the church. If you keep on waiting to hear uh, something that tells you you're ready, you're never going to hear it because the devil's going to be there saying, you're not ready. You're not ready. If you, I'm going to go further than that. If you're stuck thinking because you sinned last night, you're not usable for God, it's just not true. That's not the good news. The good news is he dealt with our sin. It does not make sense. It's not fair, maybe. I don't know. But he blots out our transgressions. Cast them as far as the east is from the west. He does not deal with you according to the past, but he deals with you according to your identity in Christ so that you're not an imposter. When you stand up, you're not able to be accused by the devil of what you're not because he stands in front of you and says, I am their righteousness. I am their seed in the great reward. They, the just for the unjust. We're, for me to live is Christ. You're not going out there thinking about what you're not. You're going out there thinking about who he is through you. It's not you. If someone has something good to say about me, it's about Christ. 
Oh, let me finish this last part. It's your last opportunity to read like you about to preach. Verse 27 to 30. Ready. Read. Yes. Just start. Just start, just start. I love that the Antioch church did not become exclusive from the Jerusalem church. They just incorporated the two things. When the prophet said that there would be a famine in the land, they didn't think that they were disconnected from helping the people within the church have their needs met. They actually prepared themselves to meet those needs. The idea wasn't them saying the Lord told us to do it. The disciples decided. Each one would give according to their ability. Far too often people think the church is here to dictate what you should do. You're an agent of free will. We do not exercise power over you as to be controlling. We give you leadership and inspiration. We don't control. I don't want responsibility to control another person. You can go to God and say, I was under their control. No, I don't want you to stand by your own master. You stand or fall. You're going to have to give an account for him on the day of judgment to yourself. I'm going to give an account of whether or not I actually told you what he said. Here's what you need to do is the disciples decided each to give according to their ability. They didn't give all the same thing. Somebody gave 10,000 uh, denarii. I don't know. I'm making that up. I don't know what they gave. I'm just saying so everybody gave a little bit of something, whatever they had to give. They cared about the people in the church, and they cared about the people outside of the church. And it's the combination of those two things that makes us the church. It's not one or the other. But there is one that precedes the other. And that's how you do it. Stand to your feet. Pastor Darrell, come on the stage with me. You're going to dismiss today. Don't get stuck in this cycle of inactivity. Don't get stuck in Jerusalem when Antioch is waiting. Don't get stuck accusing us of just being a programmatic church. Oh, they got another program. Oh, they got another program. Oh, they got another program. No, we no, we just trying to facilitate the mission. Trying to help you do it. This is your moment. If you start doing the work, he's he going to send somebody to help you minister. Yes. Yes. Then he'll send somebody to equip and empower you. And then you'll be able to send back help to the very people who sent you help. This is a fresh season ministry team. You can come down. Bow your heads. Pastor Gerald, lead us in prayer. Powerful word. If you're thinking this is for you, it is. This message is specific to you as an individual. 
but it's also specific to us as a body. Today you heard the word of God, but it's your opportunity to respond to what God wants you to do. Whatever that is, it's between you and the Holy Spirit. So at this time, as I pray, God may be pricking your heart. He may be saying to you exactly what it is that you need to hear so that you can respond to him in like. So Father, today, I pray in Jesus' name that from the top of the pulpit to the pews, that you would speak to your people and they would hear specifically what it is that you would have them to do. Let us not be a navel-gazing church that is always looking inwardly, but let us be a outreach, a church that is concerned about the cares not only of the body of Christ, but those who are outside of the body of Christ. So I pray in Jesus' name that is, as you have been pricked in your heart by the Holy Spirit, that you respond to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So Father, do your, your job, and I know you will, and I pray as we respond that we would do our job and respond to him in like kindness. Thank you for that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for being with us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.